0: hello and welcome to podcast ally my name is valerie grove and i'm one of the account leads at podcast ally this means that i listen to a lot of shows every day and one of my favorites that we've got to work with is honey do me today we have emma norman and cass anderson from the show Honey to Me is a popular sex positive podcast based on the belief that everyone deserves to have great sex, feel good in their bodies, and love themselves. Today we'll dive well into the story behind the show as well as give some time for them to air their grievances or affirmations on what it's like to be a podcast host and receive a steady stream of pitches. So welcome ladies. Is there anything I missed?
1: Thank you so much. We're so excited to be here. Um, I think you covered it
2: really well. You did. You made us sound like rock stars.
0: Awesome. I want to dive in and just ask what inspired you guys to create Honey Me.
2: I can start off with
1: this one. So Emma and I actually met in college and we met in a psychology of sex class and the conversations that we were having in that class were so much fun and the conversations that Emma and I were having as a result of that class were even more fun because we made it even sillier. The first time Emma and I hung out, we literally went to a sex shop and looked at different vibrators together. And that was like our first date, so to speak. (laughs) And ever since the beginning of our friendship, we've just had these conversations about sex that normally come with a lot of shame or embarrassment. And we just didn't feel those things talking to each other. And we realized that we were both experiencing a lot of the same things. And we wanted to bring those conversations to other people because we realized that tons of people are experiencing those same things. And there's really no use in feeling ashamed of them or embarrassed and that we can really just embrace them and feel better and then have way better sex as a result of it.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the- Beautifully put, Cass. Couldn't add something better if I tried.
0: <laughs> Did you draw inspiration from other existing sex podcasts in the market or was there a specific gap that you saw with existing media that you wanted to fill with the content or the types of guests that you had in mind to start the show?
2: Well when we originally sat down it was going to be like a YouTube series that we envisioned and it was going to be what we didn't see out there which was the questions being asked about what good sex really means to you and like different groups are interested in like different types of sex and so when we finally whittled it down to becoming a podcast just by like convenience sake it really was out of this there's not something out there that's telling you how to have good sex there's nowhere out there where you're getting advice from experts coming from someone who has no idea what they're doing you know you hear a lot of podcasts which are so fun to listen to and we love them about experience and the raunchy stories and like things you did in college but Coming from two people who had sex twice in college, we just couldn't really relate. We needed somewhere out there that we felt like we could be a part of that community. And so that's what we wanted to create. We wanted to fill that hole where we felt like we didn't fit.
0: That kind of leads into another curiosity I had, which was with the YouTube format, because I actually discovered the show just through Apple Podcasts. So when you started, did you originally start the first episodes or on YouTube? Walk me through that process and what it's like also to do a live show because it doesn't get much editing, right?
1: So it kind of depends. Our original idea for the YouTube was much more like we would go out and experience things at like different convention type scenarios. So it wasn't the exact same thing that we're doing now. We released episodes originally just as audio on podcast apps. And then we got a lot of requests to move on to YouTube. People wanted to see us, I guess. (laughs) And also for a lot of people, it was easier for them to listen while watching our mouths move so that they could kind of connect the words in that way. So that was kind of our main motivation for moving to YouTube, but we also really love it over there. And we have some YouTube exclusive content that we like as well, shorter form that we feel like wouldn't necessarily lend itself as well to our weekly podcast episode. So that's been a really fun transition, but we don't record those live. We edit them the same as we do the audio.
0: So they do get some editing love. Mm -hmm. Well, I like your new wallpaper. The wallpaper is looking great.
2: Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It took us way too long, but it was worth it.
0: As far as your backgrounds, you guys get pretty silly on the show. I did try and and stalk around, but I'm not sure if you guys have any aspirations in the comedy world or you do guys just like to keep it light so that people feel comfortable with the topics or does that just kind of naturally come to you in that way? (laughs) That's my favorite question we've ever been asked. (laughs) That is so flattering. So
2: flattered by that. (laughs) I feel like something that Cass and I really bonded over was how well we kind of bounced off each other there's a lot of people that you can be silly with but there's not that many people where you just get it like you can instinctively understand like where their joke is going even if they don't say it so a lot of humor for us comes from like the unsaid and we thought that was really unique mm-hmm. and we thought what a great way to like put our friendship to work tackling a subject that is uncomfortable and makes people feel self-conscious and people lack confidence talking about it but it's like If she and I can do it and make it funny, how much more approachable that could be. So I think it was just us capitalizing on our personality, (laughs) as silly (laughs) as that sounds. (laughs) Yeah, no current aspirations
1: for a comedy other than what we're doing right now.
0: I'll be honest with you. I have tried to stalk you guys like pretty deeply and I actually couldn't find that much. I found your, your Instagrams and I was actually wondering if that's on purpose, if that's something you guys have chosen to do to make sure that everyone's funneled towards the podcast.
1: I think it's a combination of both on purpose. We like to keep our lives separate from the podcast to a certain extent. We share so much so vulnerably on the podcast that I think it is nice to keep some things to ourselves, even though it's not the stuff that you would typically think of. The stuff we talk about is typically the stuff that you'd be like, oh, you'd want to keep that private. We don't keep any of that private. So I think there's just other things that feel good to keep closer to home. I think that's part of our whole shtick is like, we didn't come into this as experts. We don't have a background in this. We're just two like normal gals. And yeah, we have more intense conversations and we're a little more open and we're willing to ask embarrassing questions, but like, it's not like we came from somewhere that this necessarily made sense. Like there's not an in trajectory, so to
0: speak, and is the podcast the main focus of your time? I know, um, Emma, you just mentioned that you're at work, so yeah. <laughs> How do you guys split your time and, and work on the podcast in that sense?
2: Yeah, I mean, it had been both of our like second jobs. Cass now does it full time, and I still have my nine to five. But every single day, yes, we are doing the podcast. Me after work, Cass, I'm catching up with her once I get off, and usually on the weekends as well. So we have um, a pretty full schedule with the podcast. That's for sure.
0: I know you guys mentioned that you're not doctors or experts, but how has the podcast formed a role in having the confidence to go out there and be the experts yourself or do the experiments that you sometimes talk about on the show? It's
1: definitely given us so much more confidence. I think as we've just become more comfortable with ourselves, that has translated into confidence and realizing that like the things that we experience aren't just happening to us and that tons of people have those same like shame-filled
2: beliefs or just little embarrassments. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like also with the confidence, like for me, it's helped me engage in these conversations more with other people, like beyond just people that I'm like, Oh, I can be really vulnerable with you Cass. So like you and I can have this conversation. It still feels like Cass and I just have these conversations nine times out of 10. Cause I forget that we have thousands of people listening when I turn off the mic, you know, but in real life, it's given me the confidence to be like, no, I know thousands of people can relate to this. So like, let's have this conversation. And like, you can feel like you're not alone and I can talk to someone else and maybe instill a little bit of knowledge that I've gotten from an expert or a little bit of confidence tip that I got from someone. And it's just fun to be more fearless at starting those conversations with people. I'm nowhere near an expert, but I can say, yeah, I've tried that and it didn't go well. And then we can like share in that experience, you know, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, I would never. And the judgment tone has just been dropped from my vocabulary a lot, which I think is huge as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. And you can see some of that growth show through the progression of the podcast, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. We do wilder things as it goes on. Things we never thought we would do. <laughs> like
2: hard nose
0: have become like our best
2: ideas later in the podcast. Yeah. Like, hell yeah. Let's just do it.
0: <laughs> and then who knows where you'll be out with this in, in a couple years.
2: <laughs> I know we're a little too fearless for our own good, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: She's going to be a different beast.
0: (laughs) When you're sitting down to think about what kind of guests you want to have on the show, what makes a guest stand out to you? Do you actively search for most of your guests? Yeah,
1: I would say we actively search for probably like 75% of the guests that we have on. Yeah, we look for a lot of things. We look for them to be an expert in whatever the subject is. And I think expert to us can be kind of a broad term. So we're not just looking for medical doctors. We're looking for people with a wide variety of experience who can speak confidently and passionately about whatever it is we're wanting to talk about. But we also want to make sure that they're fun and communicate well with our audience and work well with us and flow with us. We're not a stuffy podcast. I don't really know what other word to use for that. And so we want to make sure that people align with us on that and can bring the same type of energy that we bring ourselves and that they also can provide really actionable, specific tips for our listeners. We do love more broad conversations, but we really want listeners to walk away every single time with something that they can act on or use to improve their lives. So guests that hit all of those boxes are really where where the money is (laughs)
0: figuratively it's hard to be stuffy when you're talking about eating ass so
1: right (laughs) I I agree it should be at the very least
0: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely I love the show because I think it fits like this dragon I've been chasing ever since I had like a string of gay men roommates and one of them was like an activist and we didn't have a TV at the time. So we spent a lot of time sitting at the table talking. And I remember he like, was telling me about fisting and I was asking so many questions and I was like, oh, God, tell me more. And now I'm with, like, my podcast like this, I'm just like straight to the bus and I need to know more. I need to know more. It's a whole new world.
2: Exactly, and we get so excited when we get an expert on like such a topic, something that we just wouldn't do, but we are so interested in. I know I love the episodes when we talk about like sub dom relationships, like the twenty four seven sub dom. Our guests have been so wonderful, where we've been able to be like, I have an extra question, I didn't write it down, but I have to ask, and they just let us go off, and they're just so gracious, but. That's exactly what we do too. We're like, what an opportunity to ask all these questions that are like sitting in the back of my brain. It's so fun.
0: (laughs) And is there a particular guest or most memorable guest?
1: I think it's really hard for us to pick favorites because we love them so much. And so many people have put so much into it. Like one of the guests that podcast ally pitched to us was Victoria Albina and like We've had her on twice now with plans to continue having her on and she's changed my life (laughs) those conversations with her and so those aspects are really memorable and then when I'm in the middle of having sex and gonna move into cowgirl position it's Tayomi Morgan that's in my head with me or sitting on my shoulder telling me (laughs) that I've got this so it really just
0: depends God she
1: would love to sit (laughs) in
2: on your sex sessions she would love that
0: (laughs) a whole team a whole team is coming with Mm -hmm. you (laughs) It's, it's like we've got
2: all our little angels, yeah, all your
0: angels. are with
2: you. <laughs> Exactly. Definitely. Exactly what Cass said. There's so many to choose from that have been at different points throughout my day. Someone else will voice will come through that has impacted me. And I just feel like we love revisiting topics with different people because you get someone else's perspective. So we can talk about dirty talk with one guest and then we bring on Susan Bratton and it's a completely other conversation when we're talking with Suze. Like it's just so fun to have a guest be so invested and be like, oh, you've heard this tip before. Let me tell you this other one. And just reinventing the topic with us. It's just great to have banter with our guests and just someone you feel like you can trust and just chat with. And our guests have just been so amazing. There's so many that pop into our heads. (laughs)
3: I'm interrupting this episode because I know you're here because you want to leverage podcast interviews. Maybe you're looking to grow your network or bringing new leads, or maybe you've been invited on a podcast and you're looking to get more intentional and proactive with reaching out to podcasts to suggest yourself as a guest. And most likely you're listening because you're looking for some help. Either you want some help with your messaging or just brainstorming the right podcast to reach out to. Well, you're in the right place, my friend. Our podcast planning intensives mean you don't have to do it alone. They're led by senior members of our pitch team who are working with podcasts every single day. And me, which means you get two extra brains working on your podcast outreach and the programming. We'll work with you to identify which podcasts will bring you closer to your goals and write up your own personal pitch scripts for those shows. We'll help you put together a plan to leverage every interview, and we'll give you the context you need to book those interviews. Plus, we support you as you start that outreach process. Sound like a dream? Come on over to podcastally.com forward slash VIP to learn more about our podcast planning intensives and to get the help you're looking for. That's podcastally.com forward slash VIP where you can find all the info and book an intensive. Now let's get back to the show.
0: Well, I want to kind of switch gears and give you some time to maybe air your grievances or affirmations. We'll see where this goes, because you mentioned that you usually seek out about 70% of those guests, but I'm curious to know how many pitches do you usually get within a given week, you'd say? Like two
2: to three, I think, whether it's other networks pitching individuals or individuals themselves emailing us in suggesting their own expertise on the podcast
0: and do you have any pet peeves when receiving those pitches is there any particular ones that have stood out as pretty horrible for you (laughs)
1: Yeah. When somebody pitches a guest or themselves and it has nothing to do with our podcast and they're making no attempt to connect their topic with our podcast. And then those are the same people who usually get, get really angry at us when we don't respond and then end up talking down to us. So it's basically when somebody has done no research on our podcast, but then
2: says I'd be a great guest for it, or this person would be a great guest. That's really frustrating. I think that's also because Cass and I too are so intentional with who we do bring on the podcast that if someone does feel like they could be a good fit, you and I do a lot of research before we even bring them on. So it does feel very like wasting my time (laughs) when you can tell they haven't looked in and they're pitching themselves to us. Another one I'd say is if they come on or they pitch themselves and a product, it's one thing if it's like, I wrote this book and I have a lot of amazing things to say about this certain topic and your listeners could buy my book. That's amazing because that is actionable steps and literally something in their hands that they can like offer. But if it's like here, I want you to buy this supplement and I'm not going to give you much else beyond like, you'll know, once you buy my supplement type of a situation, like we've had guests before that are trying to pitch a course the entire time. So they won't tell us all the benefits you could reap from the course because they just want you to go to it instead. And so when they're pitching like an object or a product and not themselves necessarily and what they can bring, that's a very big pet peeve as well. And we actually, we won't release those episodes. If
1: we bring somebody on expecting that they will provide some sort of value to our listeners. And we understand that all of the people coming on are professionals and they do have stuff to sell. And that's amazing. And I think everybody we've brought on has something really valuable that they also offer outside of that. But if they are not offering anything in and of the podcast itself, part of the reason we love podcasting is because of how accessible it is you don't need to buy anything to listen to our podcast. And obviously we do ad reads and all of that, but like you are not required to purchase anything to listen to honey, do me. And so if we have an episode where all it is, is you're required to purchase this thing in order to get any sort of value, we've had to tell people, I'm sorry, but we won't release this. Um, and that's a hard conversation. And
2: especially because in those instances too, if it is a product or something like that, we can usually get it for free, which feels so unfair that like we would be telling our listeners that they need to go purchase something. But on the back end, we've been offered it for free from that guest too. So that is just a no-go for us for sure.
0: Definitely. And it needs to be skillfully woven in, like you said. They might mention their product as a tool to achieve some of those things, but it's not the only thing that's in the conversation because then it just becomes a right commercial essentially
2: yeah we love a good book that we can refer them to after or a course that they can download after but we want the episode itself to be like rich and full as well well, and I think
1: another example of that is we even had the creator of Lady Suite on to talk about vulva skin health. And while a lot of what she talked about was things that she's formulated, we learned so much about caring for your vulva that it was exciting to hear about these new products that other people aren't creating that a lot of us have been looking for. But the episode was not a here, by this. It was oh my God, did you know that vulva skin health is a thing? Mm -hmm. It's not that we're not open to people who sell things. It's that our podcast is not a platform for you to sell it. And that's it.
2: Yeah.
0: I know you guys said that if you record something and it doesn't make the cut, you won't publish it. But in general, as far as how you plan and record your episodes, for example, do you do it weekly? How do you plan and record in batches? And ultimately, how does that go into your guest selection?
1: we're all over the place. Sometimes we'll have like a big pile of episodes ready to go. Other times we will only have a couple and then we'll get back into it, but we don't really batch record at this point. I think it's something we're interested in, but right now we're just kind of going with the flow.
2: Well, I mean, life happens so much to like us, to our guests and just important, obviously, to be flexible and gracious when that happens. So we've been booked out and like been ready for three months and then four interviews will get rescheduled or canceled or moved around. And it's like, oh my God, we're at the time. And now we need to think of a new idea and it definitely can be scattered or it's super planned, but Life has a heavy hand in our schedule. (laughs) I would love to say we had a fail-proof plan for that, but we do not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We make it work.
0: (laughs) As far as looking ahead with the podcast, do you guys have any dream guests that you'd love to have on that you've been eyeing up?
2: We would love to get the queen herself, Sex with Emily, on at some point. She's the podcast I feel like we've been chasing in terms of like charts, (laughs) but also she's just been around for forever in terms of like sex podcasting. So I think that would be really exciting. We have dream guests within the sex realm, but also we hope one day to talk about more than just sex. And I think that list grows like you would love birds, papaya, right? Cass.
1: Yeah, I would.
2: Yeah. So there's definitely people like Glennon Doyle we would love to have to chat with. There's people beyond like the sex realm that would be a dream of ours. But we've realized that like after we've recorded episodes or grown within the sex community, but I mean that in terms of Instagram and how we like are connected with our guests, like we've had on a lot of big dream Guests so far, and we like didn't even know it because we were such novices in that community. But we've had on so many amazing people that were like, Holy shit, that was awesome that we were able to get them on the podcast! So we've hit a lot of amazing milestones and see where we can go with that,
0: (laughs) exactly. And to your point, let's Victoria is an example. Let's say that all of her work isn't totally centered around sex, but there's so many people that might be experts at different things because your mind, they say, is the biggest. (laughs) sex organ that could relate to that. So getting people in there that are experts on different mindset skills and stuff like that, I think is totally relevant.
1: Absolutely. I think Victoria was able to connect it to sex and then make it so much more. And I think that is really special and yeah, definitely life
0: changing. (laughs) I want to make sure I can get through some of these last couple more operational questions. And I was wondering how many monthly downloads does your podcast receive?
1: Depends on the month, but we get, I would say right now, probably around 200,000.
0: Do you guys have any questions for me before we wrap up? Do you
2: bank potential guests and be like, oh, this will be great for a more therapist podcast. And you wait for that type of podcast to cross your path or Are you constantly trying to like fit people with podcasts? How does that work when you're pitching podcasts?
0: We have a database and we also do quite a bit of research. When we're looking to pitch somewhere, first of all, we look at the episodes and make sure it looks like most of their episodes are with guests. Otherwise, it's not really worth it. And then with some folks, especially if they're like coaches or entrepreneurs, sometimes they only have people on that are like related to their network. And then obviously we just listen to the episodes and look at the content and make sure it would be a fit. One of our rules is that if you feel like you have to be morphing and tetrising the pitch to make it seem like it would fit the show, that it's probably not a fit. So something that feels like the pitch is kind of writing itself is a good sign that it would make sense and that it would fit in there. And that they haven't covered that topic a million times already in the past couple of months.
2: Do the people that you're pitching, do they write their own bios and their own bullet points of like talking points? Or do you work on that with them or do you write it from their content?
0: In our case, the agency that we're running, what we're trying to do is just take the messaging that they already have and massage it to what we think would make the most sense for a podcaster. So we're not coming up with completely brand new messaging. Usually we're either helping them test stuff that they already have to make sure that it resonates or something that they've already tested in, within their audience, maybe in another realm with ads or email or just within their community. And they know it already works and resonates with their community. So then we figure that we can do that, but we have a pretty data driven, even though I hate that phrase, <laughs> I like data a data driven approach where we track the pitches and if, we get declines on them or after a certain number of pitches they haven't booked, then we know that that's not resonating with hosts and we retire and look for another one.
2: Great. I think that's all my questions. So thank you for answering.
0: Well, everybody, I definitely recommend that you go and listen, subscribe, or leave a review for Honey Do Me on the podcast Player of Your Choice, as we've mentioned also on YouTube. It's such a fun show with episodes every Wednesday. You can jump in anywhere, but I think episode 57 on Eating Ass is a wonderful (laughs) place to start. (laughs) Seriously, though, it's such a quality episode, and it's both silly but so informational and I think a good representation of what you guys are going for so thank you so much for your time today thank Thank you you
2: for having us